Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you will be encouraged and empowered by this week's message and you would encounter God wherever you're listening from. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now, let's go into this week's message. We're in the middle of a chapter right here right now at Ramp Church and it is called a great commitment to the great commandments and the great commission. And we're diving into most of what this this chapter is focused on so far is this part right here, the great commandments. We've also focused on, whoop, go back one for me. We've also focused on a commitment, the great commitment element. But we focused on the great commandments, which are, just for a little refresher, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength, number one. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. I love this because Jesus has made this thing simple. Say simple. simple. Now, understanding the world and all its intricacies and the human mind and, and soul and the cosmos, those things aren't simple. But following Jesus can be narrowed down to two primary priorities. Loving God and loving people. The amazing thing about this simplicity is it allows us to focus. It allows us to look at all the options that life has, and every day you have thousands. And it allows us to decide which ones are less important and which ones are most important. And in case you're tripped up and you're already t- you've already tuned me out because you go, I knew that they would talk about the word commandments when I came to church. <laughs> Let me suggest that there are already commandments you're living by. If you're not a Jesus follower, if you're not a person of faith, you, life is too complex to live in utter complexity every day. So instead, we simplify. All of us do it. Now, they're not all based on Jesus' commandments, but you've simplified somewhere. Maybe it is, I'm, I'm not going to be controlled by anything. I'm going to live my own life. Commandment number one. You just named it. You live by your own commandment then, and the commandment is not based on some transcendent truth. It's actually probably based on the way you feel every day when you wake up. Tell me how that's working out for you. We all have commandments that we live by. Some of us, we're a bit more, we, we, we view ourselves a bit more pragmatic than that. Well, no, 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 I'm not based on feelings. I'm, it's for me, I'm looking at where I want to go in life, and my whole life is pointing towards that direction. Okay, so your main commandment then is, I have a goal for my life in mind. I'm very goal-oriented, and everything in my life points to that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just, I just want us to be on the same page here. Everybody has commandments. Everybody does. The, the difference is when you hear from someone like Jesus who said, I am the first and the last, you know there's a bit of perspective in the commandments he gives. He's not just seeing from my unique 70 years of life, Lord willing. He's not just seeing from my parents and mine. He's not just seeing for my grandparents and mine. He was around before the world was even created. Actually, John chapter 1 says that it was through him that all things that are made came about. It's because of Jesus that all of the cosmos are created. And it also says he's not just the beginning. He's the end of all things. So wouldn't you say he has maybe a little monopoly on perspective? So what Jesus is trying to say is I'm not impressed 
by people who so adopt commandments that they live a robotic lifestyle that looks like loving God and looks like loving people. And then, oh, great, they call themselves Christians. They win, we win, all's well. No, no, no. What he's interested in is he sees, he understands the intricacies of the human heart and his commandments, this is what the Bible says, they're not burdensome. They don't weigh us down. His commandments bring us life. So his goal through the great commandments he gives us is this human flourishing. That he gives us commandments not because we don't have them. He gives us commandments to replace the ones that we have that aren't leading to ultimate flourishing. And he says, if you live by these commandments, my commandments, because I created the human heart, I can assure you that if you follow my operations manual, that your humanity will then flourish. It will find a place of life. So much of this, this chapter, this teaching series, is about exploring that. And the great commandment, many of my messages, have been about how do we love each other well? How do we love each other well? That's one of the pursuits of my life. And um, some days I'm, I'm okay, other days I'm not okay on that journey. But loving well, I believe, is one of the greatest challenges of any of our lives. And I don't mean feeling warm fuzzies for somebody else. That's not love. Love is, love is, is a much bigger experience or expression um, in life than that. And you can go back and listen to some of the past messages to know what I mean. But one of the metaphors that we're talking through to understand how to love well is the idea that we can understand what relational nutrients are needed to have thriving relationships. That you and I were created with specific needs that only other people can meet. Did you hear me? I know we live in a time that, that really idolizes people who are self-sufficient. Like, I don't need anybody. I'm a self-made man. If you saw where I came from, you would know that everything I have now, I did on my own, right? We, we, we value in our culture these kinds of statements. But we see in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 that actually that the, the first problem that man had was actually not a sin problem. It was an isolation problem. God came to man in his isolation and he didn't say you've done bad. That was Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 2, this is what he said. It's not good for man to be alone. That it was actually isolation was the, prob the first problem that, Jesus, that, that, that God wanted to come solve in the garden. You and I were hardwired to need other people. And, and our relationships will only thrive when we are people who continue to pursue understanding what other people need and how I can, how I can provide that for them. I, I like to say it like this. The right relational nutrients make the difference. Have you ever been in, in, in a tough spot in your, um, maybe in your day or your week, you had a coffee scheduled with a friend, you show up for the coffee, and you are struggling with some stuff, you unload all these struggles on your friend, and instead of validating any of those feelings, they start to challenge those ideas. Have you ever been in one of those coffees? You're not sitting there. Now, what they're challenging you with could be the truth. 
But it actually, you, you feel, you feel uh, at the end of that. You don't, feel, you don't feel uplifted. You feel pulled down. Why? Because it may have been a relational nutrient, but it was the wrong relational nutrient. They're giving a challenge, and what you needed is what psychologists, we talked about this several messages ago, called attunement. You needed someone to come in alignment with what you're feeling and say, man, I get that. That's tough. Have you ever been in a meeting? Now, let's, let's swap that. Have you ever been in the same coffee, and you show up, and you unload your problems, and all the person does is go, man, that's awful. And the next 10 minutes, all they're saying is, oh. My heart is hurting for you. And you leave and you're like, thank you. Thank you for all. This was amazing. This is exactly what I needed. And they didn't advise you at all. All they did was say, oh, your life is awful and I can see it. <laughs> What's the difference between those two things? They give you the right relational nutrient. They recognized a need in you and they realized I can meet that need. So we've, we've spent three messages unpacking these ideas. We've talked about needs, uh, nutrients of presence, where the first step in any of these relationships is just me being near to you. Me, not even using words. Just with my presence supporting you. The next one are, are <clears throat> positive words. What does it look like to have positive words? And then my last message was about truth-filled words. So how do we then bring in not just grace, but truth when someone needs clarity, when they need to be challenged in their thoughts. And <clears throat> no matter where you're at in your relational journey, and everybody has different starting points. Some of you came from amazing backgrounds. Maybe you had a really solid family um, who, who, you know, trained you in all of this. So you grew up seeing it modeled and even explicitly trained. Some of you are in the total, totally different scenario. It, you grew up without seeing any of this modeled, and you're like, this is the first time this thought has ever entered my mind. Wherever you're at, this, this is the truth you need, this next truth right here. You can learn to give the specific relational nutrients people need. Wherever you're at in that journey, you can learn. You and I can both grow in this. It doesn't matter what your past looks like, you can still make progress on this journey. Can I get an amen? amen. Because you and I, through the promise of Jesus, are not stuck in our current condition. Peter says it like this, everything we need, everything, not some things, everything we need for life and godliness, in other words, to live life, finances, check, parenting, check, work life, check, life, and godliness, the things that I need to thrive in my relationship with God and in my purpose in his kingdom, everything I need in those things, I have already been given in Christ. So there's a resource available to me, and if I, would just, if I would just tune into the fact that I can learn, then now you're on the process. So that's, that's what this chapter is about in so many ways. So we've talked about all those different things. Here's what we're talking about today. We're talking about action-based words and how to use them. What happens when someone, when you know someone needs to get moving? There's been enough talk. There's been enough dreaming. There's been enough sympathy. It's time to get moving. It's time for you to do the stuff that we've talked about. That's what this is about. Now, if you are just an actions-based person, you are coming alive right now. You're like, this is the one I've been waiting for. He was talking about attunement and all these things in the first message. And I, you know what? I tuned half that out, actually. This is the message I was waiting for. Let me just tell you, first of all, thank you. that you're, We need you, action-oriented people in our lives. 
but you have to be skilled. You have to develop the other nutrients, learning how to give the other nutrients for this to really work. And I'm going to go into that. But action-based words and how to use them. For us to really understand this, we've got to shift our mind from, from the simple idea that relationships are just about me and my well-being and what I want. And we've got to expand what relationships are about. And this is, this is what I want us to understand. Your relationships aren't simply about your relief and comfort. They're about your growth and maturity. Did you hear me? Your relationships are not just about your relief and your comfort. They're about your growth and maturity. And here's what I've learned about growth. This principle right here. We grow on a need-to-grow basis. It, this even happens in the natural, right? There's, you know, the, the first 20, 25 years of our lives, we're growing uh, not on purpose, right? It just happens. And then you get to the place where you can, your physical body can sustain life, right? Through, through self, you know, you can feed yourself. You, can, you, you, you have the stature to, to have a career or a job. You can reproduce. All the things that, fam, that, that humans need to, con, to sustain life, they have. But if you want to get from that, that just sustaining life into thriving in your physical body, um, you better do some training, right? I mean, I know I, I, this is all natural. <laughs> I know that's surprising. But to, for most people to look like this, they got to train. They got to train. <laughs> so we have to train our physical body, don't we? We have to go to the gym. We have, to, we have got to discipline ourselves. Why? Um, because once we get to that place, once we get to maturity, to move from maturity into thriving takes effort. And I want to tell you, your internal world and your relational health is exactly the same. You're not just going to continue growing for the rest of your life and your, and your ability to, to relate well to others. We grow on a, need to know, on a need to grow basis. This is why God puts challenging people in your path. Because without challenging people, you wouldn't grow. Right? Without challenging people, you wouldn't grow. Without challenging situations, you wouldn't grow. And I know you want comfort and relief, but God wants maturity and growth out of you. So those situations you feel like you're not able to, to, to handle right now, the reason you're in that situation is because God wants to grow you. In Exodus chapter 1, there's a, there is, um, the, the Bible describes where Israel is at. Now, if, if you're new to the Bible, first of all, I'm glad you're here. It's such a great place for you to be or you're joining us online. Um, but... The, the Bible, the, the, the first part of the Bible, which is called the Old Testament, focuses around the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. And in Exodus chapter 1, Israel is enslaved in a different nation. They're enslaved in Egypt. And they were becoming so numerous that Egypt was becoming threatened by their growth. And they, the, the, this was the fear. If you want to read it, it's, it's the entire chapter of Exodus chapter 1. And the, the fear from Egypt was... We're worried about their growth because if another nation um, wants, to, wants to, to, to wage war, Israel's going to join them and they're going to defeat us. So then they, start, they literally start killing, killing young, the young and Egypt starts to kill Israel's young. And when you follow Israel's story, it's wild because God takes Israel out of slavery 
and then he takes them to a different land, and then he does amazing miracles for them to conquer um, uh, enemies in that land and then take the land. And, I, and I've wondered in the past, God, if you took Israel on a 40-year journey to a different place at, only to conquer enemies there, why didn't you just conquer Egypt in the first place? Why, why did you make them walk across the desert? What, what was that all about? Why would you make them journey through the wilderness only to then conquer other nations? Just let them take over Egypt. And this is what I realized. This is the principle behind that. It's this principle right here. Some, some enemies are fought. Other enemies you outgrow. Some enemies you fight. Other enemies you outgrow. In other words, growth and maturity for some of you is the journey. God knew if Israel didn't outgrow their current enemies, they wouldn't have the strength to fight their future enemies. Did you hear me? And God knows about you. If he doesn't keep you in the place where fighting doesn't win the battle, but growth wins the battle, you're not going to be prepared for future challenges he knows you're going to walk into. And you're standing there praying, God, defeat my enemies. Defeat this financial enemy. And God's just trying to get you to budget. He's trying to get you to budget. He's trying to get you to plan your finances. And you're like, you're yelling at finance demons. Whatever those are. Get out of my life, finance demon. He's trying to get you to apply for a job and then do a budget. Now, I get that some of us are, are in really tough situations in this climate. I'm not trying to be insensitive to that. What I'm trying to, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is God's wanting us to grow, and growth is uncomfortable. Some of us are in relational situations where we're asking God to deliver us from that place, and God's not delivering. Every, every prayer you pray, here's what God's, here's what God's hearing. Uh, more growth, more maturity, more growth, more maturity, more growth, more maturity. Okay, I'll keep you there. Because the only way for you to go where I want you to go is for you to learn what you need to learn in the place you are. That's Israel and Egypt. If God did not put the pressure on Israel in Egypt, Israel would not have been prepared to take the promise that he had for them. Whether it's financial, whether it's relational parenting struggles, grow in your knowledge of how children work. What are the developmental stages? How does attachment theory work? We need to read books on this. We need to grow in these things. Why? Because this, I need to be better at parenting. Right? So I need to grow in this. God's not just going to deliver you from your children. <laughs> not even sure how that works. He's not going to pour liquid gold out in, your, out in your house and like they're just changed one day and you're like, who are you? He doesn't do that. He's going to do something in you that then impacts them. The apostle James in the early church, he practiced these action-based words. This was so important to him. I, I love the book of James. I love the book of James because it's so action-oriented, and that's me. <laughs> I, love, I love making stuff happen. But James, James had a revelation on the importance of this, and it's important for us as people who are people of the word. And this is what James said. James 1.22, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Other translations say, or you, or you are deceived. 
And this is, this, is what, this is the principle behind what James is saying right here. I want, you, I want to teach you. There's implicit danger in getting insight without implementation. Did you hear me? There's implicit danger for you in gaining more insight but resisting implementing it into your life. Because you're convinced you know it that, it's, that it is buffering the demand it's putting on your life to actually do it. Are you hearing me? And we've got to be a people of action. Do you know at the end of yours and my life, when, 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 we, when God is judging all things, okay, the biblical writers suggest that we actually meditate on that day. We think about it. And throughout church history, leaders have suggested we do that. Theologians meditate on that day. Why? Because it puts everything in perspective. We're not going to get to the throne of God and God's, not, God's going to say, hey, tell me, how many Bible verses have you memorized? Just quote them to me. Okay, good. He's not, he's, this is what he's going to look at. He's going to see how many Bible verses you've implemented. Now, you can't implement them if you don't know them. So this is not an anti-knowledge word, I promise. Okay? This is not that. You've got to know them first. But if you know them without implementing them, that's not enough. That's what James is saying. There's a danger. There's an implicit danger in that place. There's an inherent implicit danger. So I want to talk about three action-based nutrients for you today. Are you ready? Yes. How do we encourage and challenge one another to do something with the word and not just hear it? And this is the first one. These are pretty obvious, but I hope when, you, when we unpack them, you get some insight. The first one is advice. The first one is advice. Now, I love that this is an action-based nutrient separate from a presence-based nutrient because for some of you, as soon as someone starts to, to communicate their struggles, you go straight here. You go straight here. We've got to be incredible at the other nutrients. There's, there are three categories of nutrients that have nothing to do with advice. So if you haven't mastered those yet, which I, none of us have, let me just say that, you need to go back and listen to those messages and get that deep in you. Advice. What is advice? It's assisting others by giving them practical steps for their advancement. Let me give you three tips about advice. Number one, start with attunement and ask permission. Start with attunement and ask permission. So if you're stepping into the place of giving somebody advice, you first of all need to, you need to make sure they feel understood by you. Have you, ever, have you ever gotten advice from somebody who did not, you could tell they did not understand where you were at in life? Their advice may be good, but because you did not feel understood, you didn't listen. Well, you don't want to be that person. So first, you, you, need, you need to make sure they feel understood by you. It's like, yes, you get me. And if they feel, if they feel that, they're going to be begging for your advice. But if they don't, it's going to be like talking to a brick wall. Right? Start with attunement and then ask permission. Can I just teach you a little something that's just going to help you with this? Just say, I think I may have some insight on this. Is it okay if I give you some advice? Is it okay if I give you some advice? All right? There are some times. There are some times you're meeting with people and you, I mean, like from the, the, the third word they spoke, like you know, you see it so clearly. You have everything they need. You need it. That's when you exercise self-control. You get in attune. You're leading them on a journey you're not just shouting at them, right? Advice. Start with a two and ask permission. Second tip. Choose advice based on fruit, not volume. This is for those of you who are receiving advice. Some of you, you're just listening to advice of the loudest voice in your life. But they're not living the thing that they're advising you on. 
Can I just say that again? You need to be very in tune with where the advice is coming from. And you need to choose the advice based on the fruit of the person who's giving it. Can I just say that from a pastoral perspective? The guidance on your life needs to be from people who are already living what you want. Does that make sense? There's truth that transcends that. Sometimes I'm preaching things I'm not living. I try to qualify that before I do it because it's biblical truth and I'm still seeking it in my own life. So I'm not saying there's, there's never times where you need to say what God's saying. But in general, we're judging the, 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 the quality of the advice, not by how loud or dramatic or emotional they are about it, but by the fruit of their lives. Are you hearing me? Third tip, third tip. The right advice often doesn't feel like the right advice. That's why you need it. <laughs> if it felt like the right advice, you probably would have thought about it. But some of the best advice I've ever had, when I got it, it felt uncomfortable. It felt foreign. It's like, ooh, I've, I've, that's, that's strange. I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's probably why you needed my advice. <laughs> do you see what I mean? It's not going to feel comfy. It's not going to feel good. We need to be people who hunger for growth and maturity, not for people who hunger for comfort and relief. I promise the fruit of the advice will bring you comfort and relief. Are you hearing me? Are you tracking? I hope the silence is wheels turning. That's what, I hope, that's what I hope the silence is. The right advice often doesn't feel like the right advice. That's why you need it. First, the first relational nutrient in the area of action-based words is advice. The second one takes advice up a notch. And that is this, challenge. That's advising with greater urgency and intensity advising with greater intensity and urgency. And I love this in, in Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews said it this way. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Notice how challenge comes after advice, which comes after all the other nutrients. Are you hearing me? Some of us, again, I keep saying this, but I want you to get it. We, we go straight to challenge. There needs to be some ground covered before we get there, okay? And there needs to be a relational equity to draw on that. But it is right for us to do this in the body of Christ. We need to spur one another on to love, toward love and good deeds. How do you know you're in the right place to challenge? This right here, this principle. The challenge nutrient is about their good, not your relief. The challenge nutrient is about, that. in other words, if this is the phrase that, that intros your challenge, I just need to get this off my chest. It's not about their good. It's about your relief. We enter into challenge when we know they will not make it unless I do this. Because what challenge is doing is it is bringing something to their attention that they are refusing to see. There's a heart posture towards I'm denying that. It's a blind spot. And you've tried everything else and they're just not there yet. But it is not a venting session. If you need to vent, you go into your prayer closet and you vent to God. Does that make sense? Or you, you, maybe you can find a trusted human, but those are few and far between, and that, those, those instances need to be few and far between. But you don't need to vent to the person you're challenging to. That's not for your relief. You, you don't use their ears to, to, to ease your, your heart. Are you, you, you're tracking. Challenge nutrient is about their good, not your Relief. I, I remember speaking with a father who had a son that had um, that was in in early career, 
And it was, so he was, he was an older father, and, I, and he was telling me about how he advised him in his career choices. And so I was asking, well, t- tell me how that process happened. My, my oldest child is 15, so I'm not quite there yet. So I'm still building my, all of my learning. And um, so the, the son was changing careers and realized that he saw, that the father realized that he saw his son making some of the same career choices in, in his next career that he made in his first career. And he was worried that it would lead up into the same place of dissatisfaction that, that his son was currently in, which is why he was changing careers. So the father realized it's time for me to challenge, it's time for me to correct. And the correction was, let me show you what I feel like your motives may have been in choosing the career you chose. Because I don't want those same motives to be driving you in this next season. And he had that hard conversation And not only did it end well, but it changed the son's decisions in the next phase of his career. To where he was in tune with, let's let's choose my career based on what really matters. Now, that father was not challenging because he needed to be angry at his son. He was challenging because he realized this relationship, this this challenge, this nutrient is about your good. It's about your good and your growth. That is the, the, the challenge nutrient used well. The third one, third and final one we're going to talk about today, and there's, there's about 10 of them, but we're just going to talk about three. Structure. When you bring action-based words that pertain to structure, you are helping create a framework for growth and accomplishment in that person's life. So let's, let's say that, they, that, um, that in their life they, they don't schedule, okay? I'm not saying the schedule is the healer of all things, but if you live without a schedule, you should try it. it re- it's really helpful. And so, so the things that are most important in their life aren't getting done. The things that are least important are prioritized. They live, kind of live by their whims. And so to bring action-based words into somebody's life is to help them create a framework for their growth and their accomplishment. You're going, let me give you a structure for that. For some of you, that's a financial structure. That's a budget, like I've already mentioned. But this is a biblical principle, and Jesus talked about it in Luke 14. Check this out. Don't begin... Don't begin. Jesus is actually talking about discipleship here, but this principle can be applied to multiple areas. Don't begin until you count the cost. What is this thing you want going to need from you? For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it, Jesus says. You've got to count the cost. Sometimes bringing structure to someone's life is the thing that sets them free. I remember meeting with somebody um, in a previous pastoral role who was having some serious financial issues. And um, I was head of operations at the ramp in the U.S. at that time. So I, I think they just guessed maybe he can help me with finances. So they came to me. We, we sat down and we looked at his incoming and his outgoings. And he had plenty coming in. Plenty, 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 plenty coming in. Three kids, business owner. But his life was a mess. His financial life was a mess. So we sit down and literally just map out a budget. Let's just look. Let's just talk about where this. Well, his whole life changed. Very simple structure. Why? Because you're helping someone create structure for growth and accomplishment. Sometimes your action to the words that you know, the thing that's between what you know and your action is just a little structure in your life. Do you know I don't decide every day if I'm going to spend time with God? I decided that 20 years ago. 
I have a structure in my life that, that has made the decision for me. So I wake up at about the same time without an alarm every day. Why? How, how do I do that? Well, because I've done it so long, my body just knows when to wake up. And I look at my clock, and if I had an alarm, it would always be before it anyway. My body knows when to wake up, and then I mechanically walk into the kitchen, <laughs> pour the coffee. I'm not, thinking, I'm not making all those decisions. Some of you, you're not spending time with God because, because you're deciding every day if you're going to spend time with God. You need, to, you need to make that decision once and forever. I try to limit my decisions every day to the ones that really matter. And, and the ones that I don't want to ever say no to, I've already made them. I've already made them. So am I going to pray today? Yeah, the answer is yes. Yeah. Like it's always yes. There's never a no because I never ask the question. That's what a structure is. A structure keeps you in that place. It's a framework for life of advancement and growth for the things you know really matter. Do you know that one of the real reasons I'm organized, people think I'm organized. I, the only reason I'm organized is because without it, I am a mess. I am a mess. My mind is everywhere. I'm, I'm distracted all the time. I, I feel like I have ADD. I can't stay. Well, so why do I organize? Because I know I need it. I desperately need it. And I see the difference in my life when I have it and when I don't. Structure. I love this. Eugene Peterson, pastor, writer, um, he said this in his book, Obedience, uh, Long Obedience in the Right Direction. Look at this. This is powerful. Feelings are important in many areas, but completely unreliable in matters of faith. We live in what one writer has called the age of sensation. We think that if we don't feel something, there can be no authenticity in doing it. But the wisdom of God says something different. That we can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. When we obey the command to praise God and worship, our deep, essential need to be in relationship with God is nurtured. You can lift up your hands regardless of how you feel. It's a simple motor movement. You may not be able to command your heart, but you can command your arms. Lift your arms in blessing, just maybe your heart will get the message and be lifted also in praise. For some of you, the reason why it's not in here yet is because the structure in your life is making it impossible for that to grow on the inside. You're not worshiping out here, so you don't, you don't care for him in here. You're not praying out here, so there's no desire to commune with him in here. Let me say it like this, this principle. Your activities are mechanisms of formation. They're not just deeds you do. They are shaping you on the inside. Are you hearing me? You form your activities, and your activities form you. You form your activities, and your activities form you. Are you having trouble connecting with your kids? Commit to an evening dinner meal with them. Unmoved. Non-negotiable. We sit down at the dinner table together from this time to this time. What are you doing? You're just creating space. 
You're like, we never, we never talk. Well, is there ever space for you to talk? I'm not trying to condemn you right now. What I'm, I'm trying to paint this picture of sometimes structure is the thing. It's the activity that is a mechanism of forming what's on the inside. Why do we, why do we so stress prayer, Bible reading, worship, these things that seem so fundamental and so churchy feeling? Because when you practice those out of a desire to change, they are mechanisms of forming who you really are. Mechanisms of forming who you really are. Band, you can go ahead and come forward. Go ahead and come forward. One of my favorite verses I want to read to you as we're closing this message. Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is Paul's version of what I just talked about, about activities being mechanisms of formation. This is Paul's version. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead. I plead. Paul was the most prolific writer in the New Testament era for church leaders. And when he says, I plead, you better listen. Because that brother had a lot to say. <laughs> you hear me? I plead. What is he saying? He pleads. Give, you know, not, not, not pray. Not, not Bible study. These things are included in this. But isn't it, you got to listen. What, what did he not say in this list? Here's what he did say. Plead with you to give your bodies. My, my, my physical body? Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Look what he connects your physical body to. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Maybe your translation says this. Um, let them be a, this is your spiritual sacrifice. Wait a second. Me giving my body is a spiritual sacrifice? It's a spiritual act? Yes. Why? Because it's a, it's a mechanism of formation. Paul goes on to say this. This is truly the way to worship him. Look at verse 2. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs, the way of life, the way of living. You go, well, no, it doesn't really matter how I dress. I just want to, I want to be relevant to the culture around me. It does why? Because that's your body. And your body is not your own. It's been bought with a price. And you're not meant to copy the behavior and customs of the world. Why? Because if you follow God's pattern in the previous verse, God will transform you into a new person. By changing the way you think, then... After the transformation, you don't even have to ask him. You will, but you don't have to ask him. You'll learn to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Why? Because your behavior got in alignment with God, and then your insides transform. To, to not just be willing to do what God, you now want what God wants for you. Why? Because your activities are mechanisms of formation. You form your activities, and your activities form you. Why do we worship? Why do we stand? Why do we give our lives for the gospel? Why do we give our bodies? Why do we serve? Because those activities shift something on the inside. Stand on your feet.